hiring great people and managing great people. That's it. My job is people. Knowing how to do marketing is an important yeah. side, side benefit, but you can be the best marketing expert in the world if you don't have a team of people that can actually scale the work you want to do. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, and in these episodes, Sangram and myself, James Carberry, focus on personal development. We'll share books and other resources that are helping us get a little bit better every single day. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Hey, team. How you doing? Doing good? All right. Ready to go. I know. This is lunchtime. All right, I gotta, we got to share a quick story. So this wasn't fully planned, and I'm so glad we're actually doing it. Yeah. <laughs> impromptu. In, total impromptu. So kudos to to inbound team and keep you to be a sport to join us. So I was going to interview Phil, and Phil wasn't able to make it to the conference. He's in an airport in rural Missouri. Yeah. Turns out <laughs> he's a pilot. Yes. His plane had, had an issue. It had to be landed. Yeah. So uh, and then I'm like, well, and, and Courtney was like, well, who is, like, who do you want to interview? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but let's, you know, and the first uh, name I said to her last night was like, is Kip available? Like, because I know you probably have a million things going on right now. And she's like, let me check. And then I think you had to move a few moved things. a few things around. We made it happen. We got it. <laughs> we made it out. This is going to be fun. This is, this is probably one of the more fun things I get to do yes, today. It's just yes. talk about marketing. This is great. <laughs> That's awesome. Forget so about this giant event of people that's yeah. happening for a few minutes. Great. Just a few minutes. All right, guys. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Sangram here. I'm the host of the Flip Mouth podcast, co-founder, uh, chief evangelist of Terminus. It's been a fun ride for the last five years. We started the company. Um, you know the whole thing. HubSpot yeah. is actually an investor, an investor yeah. in, in Terminus. So it, it's really, really cool. And I remember, I think one of the very first ones, um, I think podcast we did was at HubSpot office was on inbound versus ABM. And yeah. that was kind of a thing. A good debate. It was yeah, fun. It was good. I need to go back and look at that we recording. We write about something. <laughs> Not many, but some. We, we, we had some talk and I'm, I'm just super. So I'm going to love, love Kip to introduce himself, but Kip is the CMO of HubSpot. So first of all, how great is this event? Let's give a round of applause to HubSpot yeah. and Kip and his team. I did nothing. <laughs> the team is amazing. They've done a great job. Yeah. It's, it's a blast. I'm excited that everyone's yeah. here. Being the CMO and I was watching your morning session or yep. like just the first five minutes where you're welcoming everybody. And you said there are 26,000 people here right now? There are. Wow. All around the globe, over 100 countries, people have come and traveled far and wide to yeah. be here with us and learn this week. It's awesome. That is awesome. All right. So we're going to go into a bunch of questions around marketing, how to build a team and stuff. And Please feel free to, if you have questions, raise your hands in the middle and then, you know, we just want to have a conversation. This is an intimate setting. If you want to just come closer, just come on over here. Let's just have, this is like, you know, you know, you get, he gets paid to be at different places and people pay to actually get his response. So we're getting something that is super awesome. So Not much. <laughs> so Kip, welcome to the Flip My podcast. Thanks, Angram. Great to be here. Awesome, man. All right. So tell a little bit about yourself, but as you shared that, also share a fun fact about you. Okay, so I've been the CMO here at HubSpot for four years. I've worked at HubSpot for almost a decade. It's hard to believe. Grew up in rural West Virginia. I have a crazy background in West Virginia, uh, like Brad Smith, like we just interviewed. Yeah, 
Brad Smith and I had a call a couple months ago about West Virginia. That is one of the ways I know Brad Smith. You know, small state, it all happens. Jeremy, who's actually doing some of the show, he's like, dude, they're not, they're like so many, there are so few people. And how come you're getting people from West Virginia? Go to people out there. Maybe you should hire some people from West Virginia. They're pretty good. But that's not my fun fact. My fun fact is that I've never had a cup of coffee. Uh, there was literally an audible gasp in the audience. I've never had even a drink of coffee, but especially not a cup. No. Yeah. Coffee-free my whole life. Caffeine-free for maybe the last 20 years. Wow. I have a three-year-old. So that's my. That's the thing I'm most proud of is yeah. no caffeine and, and getting through having a three year old. And we should just stop right there. Like you know, people are probably like <laughs> have caffeine in their hand <laughs> listening to this. Oh my goodness! So what was that? A conscious choice? Stop! Like how, how did that talk talk to that? Uh, so you kind of it's about knowing yourself. And I know that I am what I call a serial obsessive. I don't like just like something. I like it and I obsess over it and I really really like it and I go really overboard. <laughs> and so I knew. That's what would happen with coffee, that I would drink like seven cups of coffee a day and it would just be all consuming in my life. And so I was like, okay, I don't want that. I have enough things in my life that are like that. And the other thing is I sleep great. Like I yes. sleep very well and I was afraid to mess that up. And so those two things, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm just not going to, just going to not have it. And is your wife the same way? No, my wife has a couple cups of coffee every day and yeah. <laughs> it's fine. She, she's welcome to do that. But. I've just made a different choice. That is awesome, man. That's a, because I've seen people who have gone like vegan or like you who have done like the whole grain diet. I don't know how many of you guys have done any of those things. I mean, it's like a family commitment, right? You can't True. do it alone. You can't say I'm going to be vegan and next year you're like, you know, somebody's having like, <laughs> yeah, you know. Like, oh, that looks really good over there. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. All right. So we're going to go through some of the questions and I, I want to go personal, mm-hmm. go marketing. And again, if people have questions, jump into it. So- 10 years at a company like HubSpot. Yeah. What is it like? Hard. It's exhausting. It's wonderfully exhausting. I always tell people it's like running a marathon without an end. You know, it's like you you finish a milestone. You're like, oh, I get there. But then it's just there's another marathon yeah. in front of you to run. But I don't know. I think back to it, you know, 10 years ago when we started HubSpot, there are a bunch of people. We Our software wasn't that great. We didn't exactly know what we were doing. Like there was early days and a lot of things. And there were a lot of people who just inherently trusted us and believed in us back then. And I look at what I've done over the last 10 years is just trying to repay that trust. Like I wanted their trust and faith in us to be well-placed. And like, I take that personally just very seriously. And so for me, it's been just about trying to live up to the trust and the expectations people had of us and just the potential of all the people I work with. I work with just the most amazing group of humans you could ever imagine. And we're capable of doing great things. So we're just trying to make that happen. I love that, man. I, I remember you saying this morning, and I may be, you know, not getting the words right, but you said something that stuck with me. And I was like, man, I want to, I want to like double click on that. Yeah. You said like, look, there are 26,000 people here today. And I think somebody was asking you the question of like, hey, you know, what, you know, why are you doing this thing? Why, why does HubSpot do that thing? And what do you want people to get out of this thing today? And I think you said like, we're in a world where everybody's kind of wanting of others and like getting and extracting mm-hmm. value. We want to give value. Today and this week is about for HubSpot and the community and everybody to just give value and if you all do that this week, then world would be a better place. And you just kind of went yeah. on that thing. And I was like, I don't know how many people would, would think about it that way, how many companies would think about it that way. So just double click on that. Like how, 
How is that a thought process of yours and a company? I think we live in a world that feels like things are like mutually exclusive, that not only for somebody to, for somebody to win, that somebody else has to lose. And I just don't think that that's fundamentally true. I think everybody can win if you are actually aligned and trying to do the right thing and trying to do things that are actually valuable for the joint mission that you all have together. And I think if we create a ton of value for people and help people learn, be better, grow their businesses, grow their careers, that'll all come back to us. I think the true test of people, of companies, are how hard they work and what they do when they don't have to. Mm. You know, and that really, you know, Brian Dermesh, our co-founders at HubSpot, I was joking with somebody the other day as they were preparing for their talks this afternoon inbound. I was like, these people work, these two people work harder today than the day I met them. And they don't have to. Like, they don't need to do this. They could do literally whatever else they wanted in the world. But they do this because they deeply, deeply believe in it. I think that's what's what ultimately matters. I love that. It it, it models, like, I think we were talking to Brad Smith uh, earlier Mm-hmm. Uh, sharing that I don't know if anybody has quoted this or not, but like, I feel like our priorities are what we do, not what we say. 100%. <laughs> right? 100%. And I feel like a lot of, as you, you know, as you grow your company, as you become a leader and all that stuff, I think we just start saying the right things, but actually not doing it because we just get in a mode of like just saying the right thing. You're around enough, then you know, okay, this is what I should say. This is what I should say. But then if you're not doing it, people just know it. And that, um, authenticity, if it's not there, it just comes through. You have to have conviction. You have to believe in stuff. Yeah. Right? If you don't believe in anything, then yeah, you're going to just lip service everything. But if you truly believe and you're passionate about what you're doing, then it's then you're going to do the right thing. You're going to walk the walk and you're going to be able to inspire people, whether it be your own team, your customers, whoever that may be. That's awesome. All right. How many of you are marketers here? All right. Got a room full of marketers. Yeah. All right. Just people. making sure. Just making sure. All right. So what is you, I mean, to be a CMO for four years and longer, and then, you know, obviously being at a company like HubSpot for 10 years and just going through the, the ranks and get, I mean, that's no easy feat. I mean, you, you know, you're humble enough to not, not brag about that, but that's like phenomenal, right? What's your advice? What, what are the things that you feel like, you know what, here are a couple of mistakes I made. I wish I would have done that. Or things that I'm like, you know what, here are the two or three things I really, really feel like I kind of focused on and that just helped me. Everybody doesn't focus enough on people. Whether it's the people you work for, work with, or work for you, like it's everything. Like my, I spend a third of my week hiring people. I interview every person that we bring onto our team. I don't care if they're a junior web developer or a director of marketing or anybody else. Like one, I want them to know me. I want them to know what I stand for, like what our team stands for. Like I care deeply about that, and I want to know them. Like I want to be able to have a conversation with them. Any time, and we're a big group of folks now. And so, if I don't have that interaction, I can't have. It's harder to have that conversation on the road. But I also want to like know that they're a marketer. That they, this work is hard, and you got to be in it, and you got to be passionate about it to really do it well. And I want to see that firsthand. I think too many, too many times, people get pulled into the the mechanics of the work they do, and not enough time into are the right people doing the work that we're trying to do. And quite, quite frankly, if you've got the right people, so much of it kind of washes out because then you say, hey, I've got a great person. This person is great at these things. So I'm just going to take these other things that we're thinking about doing off the board because I want to focus on what the, this person's strengths really are because I know that's going to help us be successful. Yeah. I think that's the number one thing that I've tried to do that I think has made an impact Wow, is just obsess, obsess, obsess about the people I work with 
trust the people you work with implicitly while still pushing them to do work that they are capable of to do their very, very best work. I love that. Man, I failed then in this particular test right away because it's an easy thing to fail at man <laughs> i mean no, i mean it's like so when we went from like three co-founders to about uh, about 200 and and i think how many people are on your team uh we got a 250 people or so 250 on just on your team so you're probably interviewing like thousands of people to get to that yeah over the past 10 years i've yeah. interviewed i don't know thousands of marketers yeah. right and it's interview and hiring people is about reps like you yeah. you just have to do it you can't just inherently think you know what yeah. to do you have to have a thesis for the types of people and skills that you're looking for but you have to have a real sample size that you're going through that's awesome man because i think i we i started i became a bottleneck at our company because they're like well you're not in town or we have we have to move fast on some things and you you know we can't have you one hour like you know that's the, you know you don't have an hour to go through all of it and then opiers i'm like okay well, may, I don't want to be a bottleneck in the process. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to be either. But it's your priorities are what you do, not what you say. You just told right. That. And so, I, my team will be like, "Hey, we're hiring these five people. Yeah. We're going to block your calendar off for these two days, and you're yeah. going to interview people for these roles these two days." And you're like, in. "Great, let's do it." Is this just you, or is this something that many other leaders at HubSpot? I do think as well? many people do it. I think I take it to the extreme. Because we established I'm an extremist. So. <laughs> Once you see, see original comment, yeah. yeah, I've taken it to the, I think I take it to the far extreme. Yeah, you're obsessed over Just like you don't people, want to- I drive people nuts. Like the recruiters that work with me, I think they love me and uh, are driven crazy by me all at the same time. I always have, you know, you know, when you have those conversations like once a week when they sit down with you and they kind of talk about what they're working on with you. And then at the end, they're like, so, uh, yeah, do you, do you think you need to be involved in this? And like yeah, yeah, I think I think that'd be good. They're like, are you <laughs> sure? That you would say like, totally. this got nothing better to do. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, all right. So talk about obsession. Let's just go in the obsession train, right? Let's let's just go on that, right? So, what metrics as a marketer do you obsess over? I I think marketing is best when you can be as focused as possible at the data that you look at, and so as you scale. Metrics, everything's interconnected. And so if you assess about everything, you like push over here and it pulls over here and you just like end up net not making a ton of progress. So I try to act, I look at the aggregate more than I do the breakdown. Like I want to look at, oh, are, the, are there more people coming to my business, my website, s- downloading my content, signing up for my free applications month over month? And are those, are those people growing at the rates that I had planned and invested that they would? And are those people having a good experience? Are they chatting with us? Are they requesting product demonstrations and all those things at an increasing rate? Are we actually making real investments to give them better automation, better content, better information? And if I'm doing those things, then then those numbers are going to improve. And that's really, those are the things I obsess about. And then at the program level, like, we'll just go on a deep dive. And it might be like, hey, you know, we've tried a new customer marketing strategy for the last six months. Like, let's do a deep dive on all the metrics and see what that looks like. But I don't need to obsess about those on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. I need somebody else to obsess about those and then to step back and have a thoughtful reflection yeah. of those. That, that's quite, I mean, is there a dashboard you look at every day, every week? every? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm in HubSpot. I'm basically in HubSpot. And then we have a few email dashboards that I look at every day. Yeah, that's how it starts. So, Walk through your day, like a typical day of a CMO of HubSpot. How does that look like? Uh, my son gets up very early. So I get up and I play with my son. Yeah. Then he's I, three. he's three. What's his 
Uh, his name's Bo. He's yeah. awesome. Yeah, he's the best human not in the world. Not a coffee drinker, not yet. Yeah, you probably, you never know. He's his mother's son, so he might drink coffee. Then I go exercise. Exercise from 7 to 8 every morning. Uh, and then I go to work. And my day is largely, what are the core short-term and long-term things we're working on? So next week, I'll go back to work. We're having some meetings on major investments we're going to make as a business uh, next year. And so we're going to go through those. And then through those, that'll help me inform what marketing investments I need to meet, make. So I'll start planning and budgeting and doing everything on that standpoint for basically most be parts of my days for the next month or two. Then I'll have parts of my days that's interviewing and hiring. Uh, part of my days is just managing and helping. You know, some, some people often come to me and like, hey, I don't know, like I've got this offer at this other company. Should I do that? Should I stay here? What's my future like? What's that all that look like? I try to have really honest conversations with people on that. And then I try to have a few hours where I'm just, I can do, help people do real marketing. (laughs) Uh, Where it's, it's how are we getting better at different areas where we're focused on? So whether that be like our content strategy or whether that might be our email marketing or our chat or whatever that may be, we'll do deep dives into that and figure out how we can actually get better, what our blockers are to actually improving there. Gotcha. And then is there, I mean, in a way, there's no typical day. There's no typical day, but there's the typical mix to a day, which is you have people stuff, you have some administrative stuff, right? Like I'm approving some stuff and everything because somebody has to do this, it turns out. And then there's doing marketing, right? right? Just kind of like if you're a salesperson, right? You sell, you enter data, you do different, like there's a different, the mix of your day is similar, but the, what happens inside that mix changes kind of week to week. Do you miss having more tactical getting into the week? I think you underestimate how I spend my time. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, because it's 250 people on a team running a gigantic conference like Inbound. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of things. And I, was, I still knew what, yeah. what marketing campaigns we were running for Inbound, the talent we were signing up for Inbound, like all of that, all of that. Wow. So I'm more in it than people would like, but I think I'm in it in a way that is not micromanaging, in a way that is I just want to be informed. And I know when I just need to be informed and I'm not going to change course on something. And there are some things when I'm being informed of something like, I know and I have some different contexts where I believe something differently enough that I am going to change course and it's going to make people unhappy. Yep. But it's important. I think one of the things that people have lost in leading teams, whether it be your family, your, your small team or a big team at work, it's sometimes the person who's in charge is going to make a hard decision that's the right thing. People aren't going to like because of a whole host of different circumstances. But it's like if you, I don't know if you ever read the Tina Fey book, Bossy Pants. She does, has a really good section in that about how Lauren Michaels would just like let everybody pitch sketches and everything. And then he's like the ultimate editor. He's like, yes, no, no, no. And this is why I know. And this is the decision. And we're, we've got it. We're moving and we're moving on. And so that's a big part of it, I think. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. What's the most important job of a CMO? Hiring great people. And managing great people. That's it. My job is people. Knowing how to do marketing is an important yeah. side, side benefit, but you can be the best marketing expert in the world if you don't have a team of people that can actually scale the work you want to do. I always tell people there's never a dearth of ideas, right? There's never a shortage of stuff you can do. There's only a shortage of people who have the, le- the bandwidth to actually do them. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's the stopgap. It's so interesting. And I want to get to some of the questions we have in a second, but you want to double click on that? Yeah. I'll just repeat the yeah, questions. Please, like, please, hey, uh, you have 250 people. 
And in addition to that, do you, does your marketing team rely on certain parts of your marketing business on agencies and partners to execute them more effectively? Yeah, I think, I think every marketing leader has a different philosophy for what he or she thinks is the best way to operate. Our philosophy is we have a lot more people internally than externally because we think there's a level of expertise and a lot of the people that we want to work with, we just couldn't work with that quality of a person at an agency. So we, we tend to bring those people in more. That being said, for some different language challenge, different regional challenges. I think we, especially when you get started, we've worked with folks, you know, for the first six to 12 months as we kind of hired, built up, figured out we were what we were actually able to do to scale. And so we do a blend of both, but the majority is we like to, to kind of have people on our own team. Talk to us a little bit about this. It was interesting because now I literally have similar questions that I asked Brad around it and how similar responses you have with him. So like when I asked him, what is the most important job of a CEO? Without a doubt, he said the same exact things like people. If I don't have the right people on the team, there's nothing I can do. So it's like you start to see the pattern of like great leadership really comes down to like some very few things that are just. Show me a leader who's focused on tactics. I'll show you somebody who's, who's not succeeding. Not succeeding. I love that. All right. Category leadership. Category leadership. Yeah. A lot of talk on that lately. Sure. Yeah, there is. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts? How do you see it? How do you define it? I don't know. I feel like somebody more qualified than me should answer this question. But for me, leadership is earned, right? It's, it, is, it is not something you could bestow upon yourself. You, you know, whether you're a leader of a team or a category, you're, you don't have to have a title to be a leader. And you can have a title and not be a leader, right? Yes. You can have authority without being a leader. Yes. You can be a leader without having authority. And so I think that applies just as well to categories, right? You're the leader of the category if you are the company or organization that people look to, mm-hmm. right? If, they're, if you are the anchor of trust in that category, then I think you're the leader. doesn't mean you have the most money, doesn't mean you have the best product, but you're the leader because people believe in your brand and your people to the extent that, that they will follow you further in a time of uncertainty than they would follow anybody else. Yeah. Who give me examples of companies or brands or you think B2B, B2C that you feel are like are actual category leaders in your mind? I mean, look, look, I give Eric and Janine at Zoom more credit than you could ever imagine, right? Eric was at WebEx. He was going to build a better WebEx, and WebEx was like, nah, we're good. And he left, and he figured out, hey, I know how to do this. And they built a far better way to collaborate. They were very clear on making that product easy to use and simple to use, but they they also knew all the problems that their customers had. They knew that virtual meetings were fundamentally miserable and happy experience. Yeah, right. Almost fifteen minutes of like, can you hear me? Like, yeah, right. no, seriously. How many times did you go from a WebEx meeting to a Google Hangout meeting to like blue jeans to Uber me. conference, yeah. right? And just like never works. And they and they from the very beginning, that's what they told the market. They're like, hey, meet happy. Like meetings don't have to be terrible, mm. right? You could do this, and this can be a really great and remarkable experience. And I think there's they're they're a great example of a company that has delivered on the product. They've delivered on the message. They've delivered on that this is their mission and they're obsessed about it. I mean, Eric did his whole IPO roadshow from Zoom, from San Jose, because he walks the walk. He doesn't yeah. just talk the talk. Yeah, I love that. Love that as an example. And I feel like a lot of people also start talking about category creation is like, do you start 
as a company, and, and for those, like how many of you guys are familiar with the idea of category creation? Like some of you guys, like in general, like there are companies right now that are. I, I, I'll give the history lesson. The history lesson here is for us. Yeah. We did a category creation because there was this existing category called marketing automation. Yes. And it's kind of crappy. It was just like automated spam. And it was just like, and not to put any of the companies down, but what the category represented was not what we thought technology should represent and what we thought the market needed. It was a subset of what we thought was a bigger change going on. And so that's where we had the story of ML marketing because we felt like that was a very different story and representative of the macro change in behavior that's happening. And we wanted to create the category of ML marketing. And it took a long time. It took like seven years. It's hard. Asking people to believe new things is not an overnight thing, it turns out. Ask every human ever. Uh, It's a very, very hard thing. And you have to have a great story. You have to tell that story far and wide. And the whole time you tell that story, you get people telling you like, well, yeah, but isn't this just marketing automation? Can't you just call yourself marketing automation? Your salespeople are like, yeah, these people just want marketing automation. Can we just say marketing automation? We're like, no, 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 no. Understand. And you have to have a different level of conviction to create a category. That's and it has been talked about for and there are only few companies have done it that you talk about like Salesforce right I mean that's yeah. another great example. Let's talk about the part of a C, going back to like CMO in your marketing role, things that leaders and CMOs should not do. <laughs> it's a long list. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of things you shouldn't do. You, you shouldn't micromanage people. You shouldn't. Work with a team that you don't trust, right? You shouldn't overpromise things. Like just most problem. Uh, what I always tell people and people who are going to come to work for me is like, look, we're not successful because of the decisions I make. We're successful for the hundred decisions you make in the three hours you sit at your desk from two p.m. to five p.m. When nobody else is around, you're not in meetings and you're just working and cranking on something. Like the decisions you make then, like that is the magic. Like if you make better decisions and we all across the team make better decisions there, then we will win. And to let people in those moments make the best decision, you have to be super transparent. You have They have to have the context to make really good decisions. And so I think the biggest thing that people shouldn't do is hoard information. Like, just be transparent. Tell people. And what I always tell people is I was like, look, there's a transparency tax. I'm going to tell you everything. And because of that, there's going to be uncertainty, right? Because I'm going to tell you that we're here in this journey. And instead of waiting until we're all the way there, I'm going to tell you ahead of time. But you're going to come to me with a bunch of questions. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know. I'm telling you everything I know at this moment in time. And when I know more, I'll tell you that too, but there will be a period of uncertainty and that is okay. And it's not a bad thing. And that's just how we work. And if you're going to be transparent with people, you have to tell them that that is the tax of transparency. Wow. I love that. How many of you would like to have leaders that share with you everything and, and tell you that there's a transparency tax with that? Because I think that was, that's, that's huge. And I also love, can we get a round of applause for the point of like, hey, from two to five, you're making the most important decisions, the thousands of decisions you're making as a, as a, as a team member, but not, not as a as CEO. I think as a leader, that takes a lot of humility to kind of come out and say that to your team. Yeah, but it comes back to like just telling people the truth. Yeah. Right? Like they don't have to agree with what you believe is the truth, but you have to tell them what you believe is the truth. Yeah. And you'll find enough people that will. Yes, sir. The question is like, how do you learn from your team? And I'm going to add in a second, maybe a second part of this is 
one of the things that I'm hearing a lot about is like there are like multiple generations now working in the same company, right? Mm -hmm. And every generation has their own way of working and own way of expectations and own way of thinking, getting feedback. Some people like feedback sooner, some others. And there's a whole studies on it. I'm sure you're like you yeah. know, thinking and talking about that as well. And I think the, the added question to that is like, well, I'm hearing more and more senior leaders is like they've been asked to like, go spend time with a lot younger leader in your organization so you get to understand what's going on in their lives beyond just the technology or the skill set or the strategy that you want them to work on. That's going to make you smarter about the future than anything. So I want to like embed that question because it's a pretty deep question that you asked is like, how are you learning from the people you're hiring? And also how you're learning from the people that are coming in as the next generation who are just jumping in and trying different things and are now exposed to things that you and I were not. You got to know who people are, right? And we, I work with people from all over the world, from all different backgrounds, and it's awesome. Like I know when I go to Japan that that is a culture of hierarchy, and that is a culture in which people will literally do anything I say, and I will learn literally nothing if I don't ask them. Mm. And so... Like, I want to sit down with them. I want to ask them. I want to, like, I have to be very explicit as, like, what do you think? Do you think this is the right thing to do? And if you are able to ask people those questions, then you can actually learn from people. You have to be first willing to learn from people. And then you have to tell people that you have to create a culture of interaction where there is a debate. And you learn when there is a, a fervor, fervent, uh, like, exchange of ideas. At the end of the day, I'm wrong way more than I'm right. And oftentimes what I've also learned is that there's, there's no one right answer. There's like multiple right answers. And my job is to sometimes just be like, this is what we're doing. I think you're all right, actually. But this is what we're doing given the constraints we have. This is probably the best thing to do. And so I try to learn and listen to people the best I can and understand who they are and who they're coming from. And sometimes I'll talk to somebody on my team like, oh, I'm having a hard time working with so-and-so. And I'll have to say, look, this person's from this country. This is who they are. This is how, this is how they work. And you need to meet them. Like I know people who work for me. Like if I'm giving one person on my team a review – I know they want to see it the day before. I know they want to read through it. I know they want to process it. I know another person, oh, I want it right then. I want to talk with you about it in real time. I don't want to have that sitting on my head for like 12 hours before talking with you. And it's like understanding who the people you are trying to learn from, who they are, so you can actually embrace who they are and learn from them. Yeah, I love that. All right, so we, I know we're running out of time. Um, so we're going to do two things. You're gonna sh I'd love for you to share a challenge with everybody because that's something that we have done on the flip my phone podcast all the time is like give me something actionable that people can go do today tomorrow to be a better leader uh, to do to be a better leader don't talk in your, the meetings the next time you're in your office right just don't talk for a day you can nod and you can say yes and but don't don't interject just listen it's a helpful thing i'm, I'm not great at it all the time <laughs> but i try I love that. All right. One word, thought that comes as I repeat, as I say these words, like just play word association. Word association. Let's do it. All right. Power. Power. Humility. Love. Kindness. Priorities. Time. Leader. Humility. Servant. Humility. Legacy. Oh, that's a good one. I don't know. Legacy. Timeless. I love that. Guys, 
Thank, Thank you. you so Thank you all. Appreciate it. That's that was awesome. Thank that you, Sangram. Awesome, man. That's really, really cool. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Sangram here. Future CMOs, it's that time of the year. And Inbound 2020 is now a fully immersive online experience. Learn from business leaders across industries, including companies like Square, Adobe, Amazon, and more. It, uh, it will be an amazing experience. And just for you, we have a free pass only between Inbound and Flip My Funnel. So if you're a Flip My Funnel podcast, it's a great day for you because you have a free pass link below to register.